0: welcome 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 to spicier than therapy with twin and tear i am tear one of your fearless hosts for this podcast
1: and i'm twin peaks
0: And we appreciate you joining us today for our second episode. Hopefully, you enjoyed the first episode we did. But today's on a brand new topic. But before we get to that, hey, twin, what are we going to do on this podcast today?
1: The same thing we do every day, try to take over the interwebs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's what we try to do all the time with, you know, varying degrees of success. And so today, we're going to be talking about polyamory, ethical non-monogamy and other sorts of relationships you may not be familiar with and so we wanted to take this opportunity to kind of jump into polyamory give you some insight into a what it is and how we practice it.
1: Okay. So as defined by the almighty Webster's dictionary <laughs> polyamory is the practice of engaging in multiple romantic and typically sexual relationships with consent of all people involved. And that consent part, ladies and gentlemen, is the most important part.
0: Absolutely correct there. And polyamory is actually under the umbrella of ethical non-monogamy, which is basically any type of sexual or romantic relationship with more than one partner. So a lot of people are super familiar with like swinging. That's a type of ethical non monogamy. Some people are familiar with polyamory, which is a type of ethical non monogamy. But really, it does focus around being able to express love, affection, and joy to more than one person at the same time.
1: So I'm just saying this because like, I feel like so a lot of our listeners are going to be probably on the same page that I'm at. where like, I feel like so We can cut all this out and most (laughs) anyway okay well good then they can just listen to uh my neurodivergent ass just kind of ramble um so my thing is is like i use ethical non-monogamy and polyamory sort of interchangeably um and i know a lot of people do so just like we will differentiate. You'll hear us say just "poly" for short or "ENM" uh, for short. Um, again, I use it pretty interchangeably uh, the two terms. I I use them pretty interchangeably. So um, if you hear us use either of those, sort of in place of one another, that's why.
0: And that's actually a wonderful point to bring up here at the start, twin polyamory is so diverse and we are all very unique individuals so the way in which we both define and practice polyamory or ethical non-monogamy is going to vary person to person so as we talk about how we personally practice polyamory, we'll also be uh, showing and explaining how other people may view it. So it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. It's very uh, customizable to the person or to the people in the dynamic, which is great. But definition-wise, ethical non-monogamy is kind of that overall umbrella term that includes things like polyamory and swinging and hot life and all that stuff, which we're not getting into that one. But there it is. (laughs) So we've got the definition of polyamory. We're talking about expressing romantic and sometimes sexual uh, feelings to more than one partner at the time. Now, a good point I wanted to make, Twin, is not all polyamorous relationships are sexual.
1: No, definitely not. I mean, um, you know, here in the Twitter Live Crew, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with us, here at the Twitter Live Crew, we are very like LGBTQIA plus, uh, friendly. I myself am very queer. Could not be. Couldn't think a straight thought if I wanted to. So um, there's that. And then we frequently tease poor tier for being queer adjacent, even though he is unfortunately straight. Because you know he couldn't be perfect. We do want to really quickly acknowledge our ace, our nine binary, our, you know, folks who may not be as uh, romantically inclined, like the aromantic crowd, the asexual crowd. We love you guys. I don't know too much about how all that reply, how, how all that would apply. But yes, we did want to acknowledge like our ace and our aromantic types. We see you guys, we love you guys, and we will be touching on, but considering that that is not exactly our forte, I don't want to speak for those communities when I don't understand like those feelings per se I myself am demisexual um we'll get into that later we'll get into all of these terms later but uh don't forget that we have to all of our grays our little grayscale people out there don't don't think we forgot about you guys we we see you we love you we know you are there
0: absolutely absolutely and I'm totally not cutting that part out I'm leaving it in oh. so everybody can kind of see how our conversations go this is the greatest thing about a podcast.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to point out, you guys, uh, I'm sorry if I'm a little extra rambly today. Um, We've had some health. I've had some health stuff going on um, that we've been kind of, you know, dealing with. So I am currently off of my ADHD medication, which is a fun little adventure. Uh, So if I'm extra rambly today, you guys, I apologize in advance. This is just a side effect.
0: But back to the topic at hand, now that we have taken the little squirrel diversion, down the path of neurodivergence, we're back into polyamory. So really for me, and I'm speaking for me personally right now, what sets polyamory apart from other types of ethical non-monogamy and other types of open relationships is really the focus on feelings of love and affection. So, you know, most people who have open relationships, they're mostly talking about sexual. You don't have to be in love with someone to have sex with them. Shout out to the swinger crowd. This is, you know, big on on why they're so important. They're out there to just play and have shenanigans with multiple partners. And that's okay too. Polyamory is focusing more on deep feelings of love and affection. So especially like Twin said earlier, to the demisexual crowd, you want to have that connection, that deep, either platonic friendship or romantic emotional connection with someone. And to me, that's really what sets polyamory apart from other types of ethical non-monogamy. So now that we've kind of defined what that looks like, let's talk about different types of polyamory and then we'll go into how we practice. uh, How how we practice polyamory. (laughs) Uh, I'm not editing that one out either. You're gonna get to hear me say blah, blah, blah. So there are multitudes of different types of polyamory, but we're gonna talk about some of the big four that come up when people are thinking about or discussing polyamory. And the first is going to be hierarchical polyamory. Now in a hierarchical, hierarchical polyamorous relationship, There's basically a primary couple. So, Twin and I are married. If we were practicing certain forms of hierarchical polyamory, oh, I'm going to trip on that one all day today, aren't I? We would be the main anchor or primary partnership in any sort of polycule that we formed. So, whether she had a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and I had a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and we brought them in or we kept them as separate parts of our relationship, our marriage would be the primary relationship in a hierarchical polyamorous relationship.
1: And just really quickly, um I wanted to uh, define what a polycule is really quick since we did mention it or since Tier here mentioned it. Um, a polycule for those who are not familiar with the term um, is within the ENM community a term that we use to refer to like um uh, the the relationship or situationship, whatever you want to call it, um of Group of poly people like specifically refers to more than two it could be three it could be 12 it could be however many people are involved but a polycule typically refers to people that are within the actual relationship scenario of the poly relationship um boyfriend's girlfriends metamors, whatever you want to get to and again well there's tons and tons and tons of definitions um we'll make sure to um list a bunch of resources for you guys at the end of this so you could go and look up some of these definitions yourselves um we are currently i'm currently looking at how to um add show notes to these episodes so that way we could leave some of these definitions there for you guys as well so just want to throw that out there for you.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for defining that for me, Twin. I, I think one of the things that you and I get into is we're so enmeshed in this world. We've been polyamorous for so long that a lot of these terms are just terms that we use in our everyday life, right? But if you are brand new to polyamory or you're brand new to ethical non-monogamy, these may be... Brand New things, things that you have never heard of. You don't understand the definition or you've never actually seen it practiced. So that's actually a good reminder for me that not everybody listening today is going to be involved in the poly community. And we want to make sure that we are accessible to all of the folks that are just curious to learn about polyamory. So twin will help keep me honest. If I start using terms that may need a bit more defining, she'll uh, throw a pen at me or something, and then we'll hop in and we'll do a definition there. But we were talking about talking about hierarchical polyamory. Um, there's also parallel polyamory. And that's basically when the metamores, and would you like to give us a definition of metamor twin?
1: Okay, yeah. So a metamor is I'm going to read this directly from the wiktionary here. A metamore, plural metamores rare. In a polyamorous relationship, one's partner's partner with whom one is not directly involved in other words um my little play partner that i had prior to tier and i meeting would be if he and i were still in a situationship would be tears metamore not mine tears because even though the two of them are not directly involved i'm involved with both of them ergo Metamorph. You'll also frequently hear this um, shortened down to just meta. Um, that is another common tour, common version of the term um, that is frequently used. So uh, we will probably also shorten to meta just for future's sake.
0: We've talked hierarchical polyamory. We've talked uh, parallel po- polyamory a little bit, and we've kind of defined metamores. Now, another kind of a relationship that you may see, and I actually know people who are in this type of relationship, uh, twin mentioned polycules, and that's basically any makeup of um, partners that come together, whether they live together, whether they're nesting partners, which means they live together or not. Uh, there are things called triads, where three people are all in one big relationship together, whether or not there is a main or primary relationship there. I also know some folks in a quad. That's when Two separate couples come together and they have one big. Well, it can be one big couple. The the specific quad I'm talking about is all four are now engaged in a relationship, but it could be just partner switching. It could be a lot of different things.
1: Right. You know, we we're giving examples here, but the important thing to remember, uh, folks who are listening and folks who maybe you're not as familiar with poly relationships, or if you've been in a poly relationship before and it wasn't for you, or whatever your situation may be. There is no right way to be poly. Let's just let's just say that right now. There's no correct way. There's no one way. There's certainly wrong ways, and we will get into the toxic traits within the poly ENM community on a different day, because uh, good lord, are they vast and many. But today we are going to focus on just like a basic groundwork for you guys. Um but yeah, again, there's no one way to poly.
0: Wonderful, wonderful point. So all of those are different types of definitions or different examples of a polycule. Basically, the makeup of any given relationship that is polyamorous. Now, there is also solo polyamory, which is uh actually gaining ground on TikTok. Uh solo polyamory is becoming Quite a popular topic. It's been showing up on my FYP a lot.
1: Yeah, and I'll take this one. So, solo poly um, is something that Tier and I were less familiar with, ironically enough. Uh, it was something we were both, it was a term that we were both like, what the, f- what, what are you guys talking about? What are you guys smoking now? Um, because back in our day, uh, it wasn't referred to that. It was just called dating. Um, that said, <laughs> Um, one of the terms now that is floating out there is called solo poly. um it is not one that I myself would necessarily use, but again, it's not my not my circus kind of thing, you know I'm now in my own relationship so um, solo poly basically means that you as a single person are dating multiple people and you're shenanigating. With multiple people. Honey, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think, I mean, and again, a lot of people just call that dating. I myself just call it dating, but you know, if you, you want to call it solo poly, call it solo poly. That's an oxymoron. Uh, honey, your turn.
0: I actually disagree with your oxymoron uh, <laughs> comment there simply because I think the difference between just regular dating and solo polyamory actually lies in communication, right? So most people who are out in the dating world, if you're on Tinder or Bumble or Hinge or whatever the hell you're on, any sort of dating app, or you're just meeting people organically, you're out there, you're going on multiple dates. That's fantastic. Generally, those people don't know about each other, right? Um, So one of the biggest things that I think defines polyamory and makes it so distinct uh, from monogamy is that focus on clear communication, transparent communication, and consistent ongoing conversations with all of your partners. And a lot of times, especially in terms of like kitchen table polyamory, which I'll define in a minute, it's all of these partners communicating together. So for our solo polyamorous out there, each one of their dating partners is not, they don't have a hierarchical relationship with any one of them, but they have open communication about going out, dating multiple people, having multiple partners. And for the most part, sometimes they interact. Imagine one big friend group, right? And and Twin can speak about this because this is actually how she got into polyamory when she was younger. One big friend group who all get along really well. They have lots of love and affection for each other. And you know, they genuinely care about each other that's polyamory right there. You you don't have to have anything sexual in that component, in those relationships to be practicing that form of polyamory. Now they can, everybody can just get together in one big cuddle puddle, have some shenanigans and go home satisfied. That's also polyamory, it just doesn't have to be. So for our solo polyamorous folks, A lot of times what you'll see with solo polyamory is, you know, a single person that does not live with another partner, yet has multiple partners either in their friend group or outside of their friend group, and everybody knows about it.
1: Okay, fair enough. That's all right. Call me educated today. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, that's why I was just like, well, that's what we call dating (laughs) because back to your I mean, to your point, though, like that was my thing, you know, growing up, that's, um, you know, just a quick little background on me. When I got into when I was in high school, I got into poly relationships sort of on accident, I guess you could say. Um, because my friend group, we all, even though we had our own individual relationships, we all kind of shenanigated and experimented with each other and nobody ever thought anything of it. Nobody ever really got jealous. We all we all <laughs> Just kind of, um, you know, had fun. Um, and granted, we were far too young to be doing any of this, by my current opinion. But at the time, you know, felt good. So fuck it. Why not? But yeah, to to tears point, I, I did. I had a very interesting introduction into Polly. We'll get more into that at a later time. But, ooh, train of thought just derailed hard and there were no survivors.
0: Did you have a squirrel moment?
1: I really did, yeah. I, I'm. I'm so sorry, you guys. It is bad. My brain is Woo, all right.
0: So one of the things that we're actually going to get into in a different episode is on kind of neurodivergence and and how we deal with that and work through that in our relationship and and right here's a perfect example. We all have our own different style of communication and existing within an established relationship. It always adds a little bit of flavor and spice when you're dealing with any sort of neurodiversity in a relationship. So this is actually how we get through some of that when we're communicating. It's super easy to just squirrel off into left field and go in a completely different direction. And that's okay because we are here to help keep each other on track and give each other grace and know that that is normal and natural to be able to go off script like that. I actually love those moments
1: i love you too
0: as you should okay back on topic (laughs) she's gonna throw something at me later she's getting really good at throwing pens when we play mario kart because she's trying to distract me because i always beat her at mario kart not always but most of the time
1: listen here pong don't make me have to start throwing pens over here too i'll keep a cup
0: (gasps) oh okay all right so i did mention kitchen table polyamory right and when we get into kind of the important things within polyamory, we're going to talk about communication a lot. Again, like I said, it's the foundation of a good, healthy, positive poly relationship. Now, kitchen table polyamory kind of at its most, um, at its highest form is the idea that everyone within the polycule, that's partners, non-partners, metamores, partners of partners, can basically sit around a table and discuss the relationships, their boundaries, their concerns, their requests, anything. And so that type of uh, polyamory kitchen table poly is very, very popular because people want all of those different relationships to carry equal weight. And so everybody has an equal say, right? They sit down, they talk through things. I mean, there's there's a lot of communication, a lot of discussion, a lot of board game nights uh, that happens within polyamory.
1: Yeah. Can we just take a moment to appreciate that, like, you know,
0: back when we were kids like in
1: the 70s 80s whatever it used to be like whatever like back before okay fine back when our parents were cool um and we're trying all this stuff it was like the old hot tub and now what was it mr botanical i think was the one that like clued me into the fact that a lot of us now are like you know cards against humanity and red dragon keep and you know all the all the board games and nerd shit that we love sitting around and playing, and like, "Oh my God, how'd those clothes fall off?
0: Board games are a gateway into swinging and polyamory, <laughs> but really we all
1: started with cards right." <laughs>
0: Yeah, just you know, we were playing cards and all of a sudden I woke up in a new relationship. It's fantastic.
1: And just we just we we have our working title for this episode. It all started with a board game.
0: That would be very descriptive for people that aren't part of the uh, ENN world. They'll be like, what? Board games? <laughs> what? Okay, so we've talked about all of these different types of polyamory and we'll get into discussing how we practice polyamory soon. But let's talk about the important things of polyamory the things that are the top line most important items to us in order to practice polyamory in a safe consensual and healthy manner and you know really to me This goes for any type of relationships, uh, familial, platonic, romantic, whatever. But there's such an emphasis on these items in ethical non-monogamous relationships. And I really feel that there should be more of a focus on this in monogamous relationships too.
1: Well, it's we could get into the societal differences and uh, all of that in, again, a different episode because, again, they are vast and many. Uh, The differences between... Uh, the societal um, standards um, and expectations for monogamous versus polyamorous relationships, chiefly chief among them being the fact that, you know, you should be with one person only forever. And if you're not, then you're wrong. That kind of horseshit, I feel like does a lot to sort of ruin communication within monogamous relationships when you're just expected to make it right kind of deal whereas in poly relationships i feel like when they are done correctly and in a healthy way for all involved um there is the emphasis on communication you know that you just mentioned and it is very very important for everyone involved in a non-monogamous we'll say relationship that you be honest. And that really like everything we're about to say when it comes to maintaining a healthy relationship, um, a healthy non-monogamous relationship, everything comes down to just be honest about your feelings, about your health, about your um, expectations, all of it. And if you can't be honest with your partner, like if you you it's hard enough to be put honest with your partners when you can't be honest with yourself
0: and that is a wonderful just life rule right there too it's just I, I feel if people were just more honest and open with their friends their loved ones their co-workers i mean obviously with some some corporate professionalism in there but if people were more honest and open with the world around them we'd have far fewer misunderstandings far less hurt feelings we'd still have that, those but I feel like most people's lives would be more congruent. They would live a happier, more fulfilling life. So many people spend so much of their life and their time trying to hide things or subvert the truth. Just be open, just be honest. So talking about the important things in polyamory, really the number one rule I am going to always kind of shout from the rooftops is personal boundaries, right? Setting personal boundaries and expectations for your relationships with your potential partners as you're getting into a relationship, so you know Twin and I will be able to kind of talk about how many hours we spent in those first few days talking about this. You know, what do you like? Um, do you are you going to discuss our relationship with your other partners? Do I have a say? Do I have veto power? What is that going to look like? So this is going to look different for every person. This is why I'm saying uh, each polyamorous relationship is unique to the people involved.
1: Yeah. And it is important to remember that those personal boundaries can and will constantly evolve. They are not something that, you know, um, will stay the same Monday to Friday, you know, forever and ever like they personal boundaries will constantly evolve my boundaries with tear, even just since we've been together, you know, when we were dating, um, versus engaged and now married, like, we were very clear very early on like these are the set of boundaries that i have right now um and when either one of us would toe those boundary lines it be like hey no 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 we're getting we're hitting a point here and i don't like this and that's again where we come back to that honesty you know having the courage and the strength because it is hard um to acknowledge that Some action makes you feel some kind of way and to take that feeling and go, oh, okay, I don't like this. And then have the strength to, you know, bring that up to your partner or to whomever, you know, whether they're romantically involved or otherwise, you know, having the strength to do that, it's hard, but it is so necessary for your own well-being and for your relationships' well-being. And that brings us to our next point. Um it is very important and probably the easiest, I would say, to take responsibility for your physical health and safety when you are in a non-monogamous relationship or even if you're in a solo poly relationship um or if you're just in any kind of situation where you're sexually active. Um, y'all, those personal boundaries should always, always, always extend first and foremost with any new partner to your sexual health, well-being, your personal safety. Something as simple as saying, Hey, do you have a condom? Can make a world of difference. Or, hey, are you on prep? Or hey, I don't like when you touch me there. That's setting a personal boundary. And those are perfectly valid, perfectly wonderful, absolutely amazing personal boundaries that you should 150% be setting every single time. If that other person cannot respect even the most basic personal boundary, um, even the most simple, I'll say, quote unquote, simple boundary of I'm looking out for my health, well being, and safety. If the other person cannot respect that, they are not worth your time or energy full stop.
0: Wonderful, wonderful point. And I mean, and that's the thing when we're talking about not only personal boundaries, physically and emotionally, but mentally, those are some of the things that we're talking about. The twin made a great point. Another very important aspect of maintaining and or setting up and maintaining a healthy poly relationship is protecting your physical health and safety. So it's almost kind of like a joke at this point, like anyone who is part of the polyamory community and is doing so in a healthy communicative way, they're going to exchange their STI results with you damn near right when they meet you. I mean, you have those conversations early on, like, let me see your STI test. When was the last time you took it? How often do you get tested? How many partners do you have in a blah, 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 right? You're asking these sort of vetting questions shout out to the bdsm community you're asking these sort of vetting questions to keep yourself safe to keep your partner safe to keep a potential relationship safe
1: right and we don't want to spend too too much time on this this episode um but we will be getting into a um breakdown of all of these points that we're making today you know like we said this is only the first episode so we're kind of going to go quickly and sort of gloss over a lot of this, but, you know, we will get into these points later on as well. Um, You guys just let us know which ones you want to see first, which ones are most important to you. Um, We will happily, happily go over all of these with you um, as we can. And as we get further into this series, I guess we would want to call it.
0: See twin over there helping uh, keep me on track time wise, since we're, we're getting close here and we don't want this episode to run too long.
1: Look, honey, I love you, but you will talk forever if I let you. So moving on to communication styles, my love.
0: So we've talked a lot about communication, right? Um, And really, that's going to be the number one hallmark rule of any polyamorous relationship. What type of communication style are you going to utilize? It's got to be one that's effective for the partners that are involved within this relationship, whether it's two, three, four, or however many. You need to find a valid and effective means of communication. Now, when Twin and I first met, we were talking on the phone or on video chat, basically, for eight to nine hours per day. You have to find what works best for you, whether it's, you know, video chat, text messages, DMs, um, sending video messages or audio messages back and forth.
1: And again, this is another one of those things that can and will evolve over time. So, you know, if you guys start out, if you are starting out in a relationship and you got y'all, I I use you guys, y'all dude, whatever. I use it interchangeably. I apologize in advance. Um, well, I'm saying that's because not everybody, you know. I like to respect my, you know, ladies and gentle thems as well. Um, and so I will Cali baby that I am, I will, uh, interject guys, dudes, whatever. Um, for future reference, I mean them to be gender neutral just because like I've, I've called a toaster, a dude before. (laughs) So (laughs) please don't ever take any offense to anything I'm saying. I try to, I'm, I'm. When I'm talking to a microphone, it's a lot harder. Um, So just pretend I'm calling my microphone, guys and dudes. Um, What was I even saying?
0: Inanimate objects can absolutely be dudes, you know, toaster dude. Uh
1: (laughs) Okay, I just remembered where we're at. All right. So just remember, you guys, as you're getting into new relationships, that communication styles can and will evolve. That's completely normal. If you need to start out texting like I did, do it. And then, you know, send all the spicy video chats and calls and whatever you need to do. Again, going back to personal boundaries, if the person that you were starting a relationship with cannot respect the fact that your communication style is X, Y, Z, if they can't meet you where you're at, they're not worth your time and energy. Full stop.
0: It is a wonderful point. And it actually brings us to our final point in the important things to remember in polyamory, time management. Obviously we are dog shit at it. We have been talking for an hour. We're gonna have to edit this thing down to like 35 minutes, right? But time management is so important when you're trying to juggle um, multiple relationships, multiple encounters, different days out, uh, different phone conversations, sexual encounters, things like that. So the almighty shared Google calendar is going to be your friend if you were in a polyamorous relationship or any sort of polycule, because out of respect and equanimity to each partner, you want to give them the time that they need and they've established with their boundaries and expectation setting, but also to make sure that you are getting what you require from each relationship as well.
1: I don't have anything to add here. I'm terrible at time management, so I'm I'm just the one of the I am one of those people that if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist to me. So shared calendar. Go do that.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the shared Google Calendar will save your life in the poly relationships. So in our next episode, we're going to talk about how we personally practice polyamory and what our style of polyamory looks like, but we wanted to end this episode. We've been taking questions uh, from a bunch of our followers, either on Discord or on TikTok, and we've decided we are going to answer one question at the end of every episode. So if you have questions, throw them in on Discord, throw them in on our TikTok videos, whatever you want, and we'll shout you out here at the end of every episode.
1: So our first question is one that I feel like is one that we get a lot within the poly community. It's one that we personally know that we hear all the time, um, usually tagged along with, I could never. um, And that is, how do you handle jealousy? And for me personally, it comes down to, um, the belief, um, something that I learned from a therapist a long time ago and that I fully believe and hold near and dear to my heart is that every action, every thought, every feeling, um, everything we do in life comes down to, uh, being rooted in a place of either fear or love. And so for me personally, um, while I don't myself feel jealousy in the way that I think a lot of other people do, um, I do feel it in the sense of like a protectiveness over my partners. Um, it is the, um, for me, it's the need to protect my partner. Their well being, and then like our relationship and its well being. I will, you know, to use the phrase, like I will jealously guard my relationship with my partner, but I'm not necessarily or I'm not specifically jealous of anything to do with my partner.
0: Right. So you're not jealous about someone also having a relationship with your partner. You're protective of your partner's health and safety as well as your relationship's health and safety.
1: Exactly. Yeah, because for me, um I don't typically fear the relationship or a fear for the relationship. It's a matter of um let me rephrase this, okay. So, for me it is a matter of I fear for my partner's well-being. Like I I am afraid for them um, little trauma baby that I am. I am afraid for my partner. And so I want to protect them, but it's also because I love my partner and I love the relationship, um, that I care for them. Um, you know, however much you want to apply the term love, right? Like obviously I love tear. And so I will jealously guard this relationship because I love my husband. And so do I fear that he would ever, leave me or abandon me or anything like that. I would love to 100% say no, but I am also, again, a little trauma thing, so I can't 100% say no, but 99.8% of my brain knows that I don't have anything to fear about him abandoning me. It's a matter of, I want to make sure that my partner is safe and healthy, and I'm afraid for that being compromised, so that's where the jealousy kicks in. And, and and I hope this makes sense, you guys. We'll, we'll go back over this too. And, and Tyr can probably explain it a lot more succinctly than I can. But I, I hope that made sense
0: and jealousy is such a natural feeling it is a natural human occurrence and i wish we would have mentioned this at the beginning of the episode and not not at the end but everyone experiences jealousy in one form or or another whether or not you're in a monogamous relationship or an open or polyamorous relationship it's a natural thing to feel jealous in some way and especially newcomers to polyamory are always worried about those feelings of jealousy. How is it going to feel when I know my partner is out on a date with another person? And so really the best way I've heard this put is it's about leaving that jealousy behind and getting to that point of compersion, feeling joy or happiness at your partner's happiness, whether it be you know romantically, sexually, platonically or whatnot, feeling happy that they are happy. So for me, and this is something that I've been working on in my time as polyamorous, is moving towards that mindset of abundance. It is not a limiting factor for me that my partner has other partners or that I have other partners. It's I am able to freely and without constraint express my love and affection to those that I feel those feelings without having to worry about negative consequences on my relationship. That's what makes it so healthy.
1: Right, exactly. It's you know, it's the whole thing about like, you know, um It's not pie, right? Where you're not losing out because your partner is gaining more. You're, you're not losing anything in a healthy poly relationship. I'll say, I want to again, clarify, we'll get into the toxic stuff later, guys. I promise it's going to be a wild ride there, but in a healthy poly relationship, you ideally this isn't, and, and. Even in a healthy relationship, this isn't going to be 100% of the case 100% of the time. There's going to be mistakes made, guys. That's just, we're human. We are human and to err is human. So mistakes will be made. But ideally, you are not going to be missing out just because your partner is happy. Again, it's not pie.
0: That should be the name of the episode, polyamory. Polyamory. It's not pie. <laughs> I, I, f- I think we're actually going to land on that one. So when this drops, if the episode title is polyamory, it's not pie. Uh, you'll know exactly how that happened. <laughs> we, we discover our working titles as we're going through this and we end up landing on them uh, from something one or the other of us said. But I, I really appreciate that question coming in from TikTok because it's one that gets asked so often how do you handle jealousy? And the thing is, we haven't really experienced jealousy in our relationship. I mean, different flavors of it, but how do we handle that? We handle it like anything else within polyamory, with open, honest, transparent communication. We tell each other when we're feeling in some sort of way so that we can either help assuage the other person's fears or emotions or recognize and see them as valid and see what we need to do to help address them
1: right and that goes back to all of the things that we talked about today communication styles personal boundaries etc and so forth but on that note my love we've been recording for a while and so i'm going to clearly communicate to you that we are done for the day
0: thank you for keeping me on track because you are correct i can talk forever
1: it's one of the qualities i love about you my dear All right, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with us today. And uh, as always, I hope you all have a wonderful day. Make sure you give yourself plenty of love, grace, and patience. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Drink some water. Eat some food. Take your brain beans if you need them. And as always,
0: go out and do some dope shit.
1: Bye.